What were Jesus's last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast is all about helping you say yes to the final and greatest invitation of Jesus, the adventure you were made for. Together, let's explore what business, education, organizational leadership, popes, saints, and scriptures say about fulfilling the Great Commission. Welcome to today's show, everyone. It is my pleasure to have a very good friend of mine with us today, Mrs. Amanda Livermore. So Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. So uh, Justin is away attending to family duties tonight. So it's just Amanda and I, but that will be more than enough to <laughs> fill all of our time and perhaps then some. So we'll do our best to stick on, on schedule here. Uh, writing a bio for Amanda would take a long time because of all of the many things she's done for the church, working for the Lord. So she has spent time uh, working in a Catholic high school, doing youth ministry, doing an adult ministry. She has worked in a mission office. She has taken uh, probably around a dozen trips to the Dominican Republic, leading high school students down there on mission trips, as well as probably some adults and, and other construction type trips. And uh, she is currently the Vice President for Mission Effectiveness at a premier Catholic high school in the Central Florida area, Bishop Moore Catholic. And that is where Amanda and I got to know each other. I was hired as the Director of Campus Ministry when she was there. And uh, I have just so many good memories of working with you, um, really brainstorming to think what is the best way to share the story of Jesus with these students so that when they leave here, they don't just know facts about Jesus, but they know Jesus and they want to follow him and love him the rest of their life. So um, I, I think you understand the difference between just teaching people about Jesus and introducing them to Jesus as well as anyone I've ever worked with. So that's one of the, the really fun and exciting things to, to talk about today. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I would say hiring you on board our team at Bishop Moore was one of our better decisions. For Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was very grateful for it. Uh, and um, you know, sometimes you uh, you leave a position or you leave a job and you think, okay, that was you know, there's a, a good time, um, but I wouldn't really want to go back there. Or you um, you think, okay, I'm I'm glad that chapter in life is over. Um, and my like I, I only have great memories of working with you and the great campus ministry team there in the administration and uh would like don't think like oh that was a mistake no it was nothing but like it was three years of awesome opportunity to love the lord and, and to bring jesus to people so okay. well one of the the themes that justin and i brought up in the book is this idea of locking on to lost sheep. So it's thinking, we call it the, the flock experience, meaning focus on exactly who you are going after and really put yourself in their shoes, or you could say their hooves and their wool. So to figure out, okay, what are they, like, what floats their boat? What are they interested in? And uh, it seemed like you just naturally understand that in ministry. And you, every, every time you're doing something, you, uh, ministerial that is, you plan for the end user in mind. So what made you think to take that approach to ministry? Uh, I love that, you know, kind of that title for it. It wasn't, of course, like you said, it wasn't anything that I necessarily had thought of intentionally other than that each person matters so much individually um, because of who they're created to be and who they are right then in that moment. 
uh, and that the Lord allows me to feel a little bit of his love for them, but also his thirst for them. So it's recognizing the value of each person, not simply as a number or in a large group, but as the individual person. And for those who are maybe not yet connected with Jesus to allow myself to really feel his thirst for them and that, uh, that desire that he has, that enthusiasm he has to go out after them. And then he places that in us. So although those seem like sometimes the harder, the harder ministry to plan for, uh, because we might not know necessarily all the things about that person yet, uh, but it certainly is something that Jesus is really passionate about. And so if we're open to it, then we can share that passion with him. I, I love the, you pointed out, it's not the easiest way to do ministry. <laughs> the easiest way to do ministry is to do things that we like and that we want and that we're interested in. Uh, and the hard way to do it is to say, to really take the time and and ask ourselves, what does, how does this person need to hear the gospel? What, what aspect is really going to ignite their heart? Um, and um, what, so far, so far, what fruit have you seen from taking that approach? Uh, I think that what ends up happening is a much more authentic experience of ministry because it really becomes about person to person. And at first it's person myself or one of our campus ministers to the person that the Lord's inspired us to reach out to um, and to recognize that he wants to draw them in. But then it becomes person to person, them with Jesus. And so getting to see that relationship develop and grow, getting to see them encounter Jesus for the first time. And that's happened. And I know you saw it as well in our work, but I feel so privileged every time I get to witness that. And each time it's different, which is why those kind of canned packaged ministry ideas don't really work because for each person, Jesus has this unique invitation that he really desires to extend out to them. And um, a lot of times through us. So I can think of times when we did particular retreats with sports teams or retreat for artists, where we would really reach out to a particular group. And then in prayer or in conversation, you could see these moments when all of a sudden a light came into somebody's eyes. They, they really started to be vulnerable and open up and they encountered Jesus. And so uh, I tell the students all the time, if you graduate and you don't remember the name Amanda Livermore, but you remember the name Jesus, then I did my job, you know, because um, that's the relationship that really, really matters. So the relationship with me is only in the effort to, to get them to him. So you, I mean, you've really, in a sense, given up that personal like success or, or the reputation of, of being like that person. So, um, I mean, we see that in scripture, St. Paul talks about like, we're not apostles of, of Paul or we're not followers of, of Apollo or Peter. We preach Christ and, and him alone. And so I know uh, the, the president there is a, is a great leader and he taught me a lot. I know he's taught you a lot. And one of the, the, the words that are echoing in my mind right now from him. I already are, know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're not about personal success. We're about institutional success. Mm -hmm. um, and or, or I, may, I may have like butchered that a little bit. But what he meant was he wants the whole school to succeed. And it doesn't matter to him if people know his name. And it doesn't matter to you if people know your name. What matters is if they fall in love with God when they're there. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the great work that has come uh, has come from the inspiration in our other campus ministers or our teachers or other people on our campus, our coaches. And it's been really great to see that. So it's not only uh, it's not only looking towards the individual student that we might be called to reach out to or, or teacher or parent, but also knowing that each person that I work with 
has a unique call as well. And so knowing that it doesn't just have to be my program or someone else's program that everybody's following, but that all of us are coming to the table and collaborating and sharing these ideas and uh, recognizing each of us seeing different lost sheep that we might be called to and how do we do that best. And that's really the fun of ministry, I think, is um, when when the Lord invites us to be co-creators with him in all of this ministry and knowing yeah, yeah. who he wants to get out to, who he wants to touch. And then he doesn't just invite one of us. I mean, he sent the disciples out two by two. Uh, for me, he knew I needed even more than two, <laughs> uh, which I'm very grateful for. But some of the best things we've done weren't my ideas. I'm just excited to be able to be in a position to support those um, as they come from the other ministers or even our student ministers. So it's exciting. So changing changing gears here a, a little bit. Um, when you came on, um, you were kind of given this this really, really exciting task of um, look for ways that the school could be more Catholic, could be more true to its Catholic identity. And uh, just, I know from talking with you, you recognize that that was a multi-year project and that um, you weren't going to, uh, you weren't going to build Rome in a day. So it takes a lot of patience and vision. I think that's, that's one of the, the best gifts you have in ministry is you're able to see so far ahead and realize that that's possible. I think where a lot of people are, are thinking, you know, like a month, six months, a year ahead, it, it almost seems like you're thinking five and 10 years ahead, if not longer. Um, so what advice would you have for people in ministry who know they say they face that same long, uh, long road to change, especially like changing culture in, in really, really deep ways? So I think real change in especially a change in culture is slow change. Sometimes I'm very, I can be very impatient. I like things to happen quickly. I love growth. I love movement forward. Uh, and sometimes the movement forward is little steps, but very intentional steps. So being okay with that, being okay that sometimes things take a little longer, but knowing that it's really going to sink in deeper if you allow mm -hmm. it to happen. Uh, so patience is something I've had to grow in quite a bit. Uh, but also acknowledging that our work is never done. So this idea that I'm going to achieve some moment when I've completed ministry, <laughs> um, that's heaven, right? So until then, um, our work is never done. And there's actually such a freedom in that in knowing, okay, this is a constant moving forward, a constant opportunity for growth. Uh, I remember when I first started, and Bishop Moore Catholic has a long history of being a wonderful school with a lot of great Catholic traditions woven throughout. So I was not the first person to bring um, a lot of that onto the campus. But of course, when I got there, I was able to see so many opportunities and it's a large community with wonderful parents and students and alumni. So I could see so many ways to, to reach out and grow in faith. And I went to the chapel about three months in, and I remember being on my knees and saying, Lord, I can't do it all. I felt so overwhelmed. I just said, Lord, I can't do it all. And he, in the way that he often speaks in my heart, it's like, I didn't ask you to do it all. <laughs> well, that was you. <laughs> that wasn't for me. And so that was also very freeing, you know, um, one step, one step towards me, one step to bring someone closer to me. Those are, are the, uh, those are the meaningful moments. Uh, and those are the 
the moments that, that, that God's really asking us for. And we put all of these other expectations. And, and Dan, working with you, you are always so good about this, to paying attention to the measurables, but not letting those be the things that guide us. Um, always going back. And so that would be my final, but I think the most important piece of advice would be let the mission drive you always. Um, and that mission that's from the Lord, right? So constantly going back to that in prayer and saying, what are you asking of me? And then letting that be the thing that I wake up every morning and my only success that I need to achieve is being faithful to that mission and letting the Lord do the rest. It's, uh, it's making me think of a, a quote. Actually, Justin was the one who told it, uh, told it to me, but he said in ministry, it's a good idea to not overestimate what you can do in one year and underestimate what you can do in 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I always like, I'm almost, almost like, I don't want to worry about 10 years from now. I just want to think about right now. Like, what can I do right now? And, um, I love, I think that's a reminder I need to hear. And probably a lot of people, um, you know, when you, when you knelt down in the chapel and said, I can't do all of this. And Jesus said, I didn't ask you to, that, I mean, that was, that was you. And um, you're right. That is, it's very relieving just to know um, I don't have to save the world. That's already been done. Um, I don't have to be responsible for the salvation of every single person that's in front of me. That's an enormous task. And if we, um, if we try to do that, then there's, I mean, there's definitely some pride in there and we're going to burn ourselves out. Um, so just knowing, okay, I, I do what I can as well as I can and uh, then go to sleep at night and thank God for the opportunity. That's right. And then let him worry about it while you sleep. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, that great uh, line that is attributed to John the 23rd when he would go to bed at night, he would say, Lord, this is your, this, this is your church. I'm going to bed. <laughs> you handle it. Right. I've thought about that on more than one occasion. <laughs> I need to remember that. I need to like print it somewhere so that I can say, okay, I, like I can let these worries go for the night because like when I'm asleep, the world keeps spinning without my help and it will probably continue to do so tonight as well. That's right. Well, you work with a population that it seems like is the focus of like everyone in the church right now, young people um, just wondering what is going to like, what is going to work so that they fall in love with Jesus? Um, because we're, I think people are, are afraid they see young people, not being interested in Jesus. Uh, and I know just from working with you that you've had a lot of success in areas. So what have, uh, can you share some of the, the best advice you found or some of the most practical uh, implementation for ministry that you have? Sure. And I think you actually touched on some of this in your book, which I loved seeing as well. And you even reflected on some of the work in the high school, but um you know, it's meeting teens on on their turf. You know, I don't care how good the program is that you have created. If the first step is them coming to you instead of you going to them, it's going to be a really hard uphill battle. And so that could be something as simple as showing up at one of their games or um, seeing their art show or their concert or whatever's most important to them at that moment. And we can argue all day long that they should be wanting to show up at mass on Sundays. They should understand the importance of the Eucharist. They should understand um, the importance of youth ministry and coming to the parish during the week. Uh, But there are things that God has ignited a passion in them for particular things right now. So that might be a sport. And as an example, we have at the school spent a lot of time doing ministries for these groups. So we go to the students where they are with the thing that they're most passionate about in the group of friends that they've already developed trust and vulnerability. And we show them where Jesus is there first. So 
He's with you on the field. He's with you among your teammates. He's with you in those moments that you're sacrificing yourself for the for the team um, and, and pointing that out to them and then bringing them to sacrament from that space and saying that same Jesus desires to fill you up even more. And, and he has given you these gifts and we want to give them to you, but still in the context of this group. So celebrating a mass as a team, letting the, the athletes share the things that are their struggles, the things that are their hopes, letting those be the prayers during the offertory. And all of a sudden, this mass that seems very generic for everyone becomes very personal. And I know even for myself, it took time to really understand the mass as communal and personal simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. To be able to offer that to the students. Uh, you know, another example is that we, we hosted a retreat um, based on John Paul II's letter to artists. And we invited students who were passionate about art. And so then they're on this retreat and we're painting and we're drawing and we're creating and we're using his letter throughout the retreat. And these, these kids who maybe had not ever really engaged and understood that they fit in the church, right, right. they are, you know, um, said, I can't believe a Pope wrote a letter to us. You know, they just were blown away by that. And a letter to us as artists, because he was passionate about the same thing we're passionate about. So um, finding those little ways to connect, those little moments and meeting them there. And then from that space, inviting them. And I didn't make that up. Jesus made that up. He got in the fisherman's boat. You know, he didn't say, yeah, yeah. leave your nets and follow me. At first he said, I'm getting in the boat with you, you know, your boat. Um, and then he said, okay, now come with me. And so I'm just doing the plan he already he already put in place. It's not a bad idea. I mean, he was God, so he's God. <laughs> um, so one of the uh, you and I have both seen this happen that um, when people say they they have a great youth ministry, they have a great campus ministry in college, and they decide, all right, I want to spend the rest of my life working for the Lord, and they go into ministry, and they have a lot of great ideas, uh, but they they probably don't realize. Oh, there's a lot more that goes into successful ministry than just passion and great ideas. It takes, there's a lot of skill that you build and develop along the way. And some people are, are lucky enough to have a great mentor and others, not so, not so much. Um, and so we see a lot of people kind of just like in teaching really where like uh, bright eyed, bushy tailed young college graduates say, I'm going to go into the world and make a difference. And then after three to five years, it's like half of all teachers are gone. And uh, I would imagine it's something similar in youth ministry. So, what advice would you have for people who are just getting started in that ministry so that uh, they can learn to weather some of those those storms and put up with the growing pains as they grow into an amazing minister and they keep that passion while building all the necessary skills? It's a great question. And it's a hard, that growing pain is hard, right? Because Jesus is perfect and us as church aren't, you know? And so I'm not perfect. And there are people who are working alongside me on a daily basis that my imperfections may make their jobs a little more difficult. Um, and so I think it's important to recognize that, to know going into ministry that regardless of how great the mission is, that there are a lot of imperfect people trying to accomplish it. And so it's going to be hard. Jesus showed us it was going to be hard. He had so many times, especially even with his closest disciples, where he would say, uh, Okay, really? Again, <laughs> you, just, you still don't get it. Yeah. Um, he was nicer about it, but 
I, I, I am paraphrasing, but I think that it was, he showed us that he showed us that people, even that he was speaking directly to would stray and then come back or wouldn't get it. Um, and how hard that must've been for him. So I actually try to find in those moments, solidarity with him or serving in ministry, those moments where things don't go well, or someone doesn't get it. And, and we start to question and doubt ourselves, but instead to find a solidarity with Jesus there, say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this? Um, absolutely 100% committing to your own growth of your spirituality, your relationship with Jesus, your prayer life. And when we work in ministry, I can end a day. Uh, tomorrow will be a great example. I'll have had the opportunity to attend mass twice tomorrow and have multiple opportunities of prayer. But all of those are within the context of my job. So it'd be very easy for me to get home at the end of that day and say, I have prayed all day. Uh, but really, I did in the sense that my work is somewhat of a prayer, but it wasn't that personal relationship with Jesus. It was an act of serving others, right? So I would strongly encourage everyone to recognize that need for that time of prayer that's just for you and the Lord, that time to grow, to read, to be challenged, um, to grow in intimacy with him, and to acknowledge that those things that we're doing in the church as part of our work don't count as that, or not completely. And we really need to make sure we're filling our cup with those personal things. Um, and then, and you know this because you're a part of that for me, surround yourself with a great support system. Have friends who care about the same mission, who desire your good, who are committed to helping you get to heaven, and you're committed to helping them get to heaven. Um, but people who you can trust, and at the end of the day, go to with the good, and the bad and know that you all will pray with each other and lift each other up. And I would say that support system for me, starting here in my home with my husband and kids and then extending out to, to friends and family um, that has really been just, I, I can't even, I can't even explain how valuable that has been on the journey. And again, that's something that we see Jesus like instilling in his followers. Like, okay, we're going to take time. We're going to step away from ministry. I'm going to step away from everyone and I'm going to pray. Um, like if anybody prayed all the time, it was Jesus and he still took time. Um, and then, he, you know, it was clear. He just spent time with his, with those who were closest to them to, to rest. And like, that's what uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus's house was. And that was in Bethany, uh, meaning like my house and, uh, a, a mutual friend we have, Sister Bethany Madonna. I mean, her name is like the place where the Lord goes to rest, mm. Bethany. And um, if we're, it would be very easy for all of us to like find some substitute for that, like TV or or some any anything like that, rather than uh, surrounding ourselves with community. So, thanks. No, I I know that. I mean, there's like there's a chapel literally on the other side of my office wall. So, I mean, I, I feel like I could almost go to adoration without leaving my chair sometimes. <laughs> um, but then there's still, when I get home, like my work is like, that's an opportunity to, to praise God. But then when I get home, there's more opportunities because uh, if I'm not taking that time to be intimate with the Lord and really listen to him and hear his voice, then I'll forget what he sounds like. Absolutely. And your point about adoration um, just makes me want to mention, too, that all of it flows from the Eucharist, all of this work that we do. The Eucharist is a perfect example of what we're called to, to do and be. Um, and so for me, I've gotten in the habit 
because at, at Bishop Moore, we have daily mass before school every day. And we have a handful of students that attend daily and then different groups come depending on if there's a big test <laughs> um, or if there's a, a big game or if they just have prayer intentions that they want to share. But for me, it has become a critical start to my day before I do anything else, starting with the Eucharist uh, and just clinging to those sacraments and acknowledging that anything good that comes from me is not of me. Anything good that comes from me is Jesus. And I have to continue to be fed by him in order to feed others. So but I also really like this image of you rolling through the office on your rolly chair, not getting out of the chair and just rolling down the hall. To <laughs> that's every day. I do that every day. <laughs> I really hope that's true. Yeah. And I do it so the, the most people can see me. I want to make sure everyone knows. Perfect. I like it. <laughs> well, if, uh, if we can, um, we love mistakes as teachers. And so <laughs> I wanted to ask, if there's a, a mistake that you would be willing to share with us that taught you a, a very good lesson about ministry or even just a silly lesson about ministry. Uh, there's plenty of mistakes um, daily. I put my foot in my mouth or <laughs> something, um, but I will share with you my very first big project at Bishop Moore and our president still gets a kick out of telling this one too. Um, but one of the things I had asked when I came onto the campus was the question, how long does it take for someone to realize that we're Catholic? If they didn't know it's Bishop Moore Catholic, what are we seeing when we're coming on the campus? On a high school campus in particular, you have a lot of guests, right, for sports or different things. A lot of guests are coming to your campus. So one of the projects we did was to put scripture verses on the exterior of a lot of the buildings. So we got these really cool big letters, like kind of heavy, thick black plastic. And I asked our teachers to share their favorite Bible verses. And from those, we picked about 10 or 12 and we put them outside all over the campus so that throughout their four years, students would pass these verses and they would see them and memorize them. And I had this very Pollyanna attitude of how all of this was going to go. And I was so excited. So the company came, put up all the Bible verses. And the next day I look around and I see it and, um, and it's so great. And then the company who had put up the verses kind of used like a double-sided tape, um, which in Florida, with the humidity and anyway, it was not the right adhesive for the project. So I get one email that's, you know, Hey, by the way, the, the verse on, you know, in such and such building, you lost an E and then, you know, another email like 20 minutes later. And I started to realize, Oh no, the letters are falling. I mean, at first I thought it's just one, it's just two. It became, and then what do high school students do when they start to know that the letters can come off? is maybe make their own words, right? So that it became, be still and know that I am dog. And um, that was a <laughs> good lesson for me. I was very humbled and uh, also learned a lot about adhesive um, through that project. <laughs> <laughs> the things you need to know for ministry. I mean, I mean that's a book in itself. So, that's right. So it was great because we did finally get it fixed. The students who are currently there have no idea that that ever happened. Those verses are there. It is serving its purpose. They're really memorizing those, but man, that was an embarrassing first project for me. <laughs> that's, I don't think I knew that. <laughs> really? No, but that's why I'm very, uh, <laughs> Like, it was really bad. I mean, people would just leave the letters on my desk. It was like this humiliating thing. I'd oh my gosh. Another letter. And then I have to figure out which building it was from. That's the worst. It could be, it's like a, a weird form of jeopardy. Right. 
Yeah, it was so bad. Like which okay, which verse had a had a a cue? <laughs> oh wait, maybe it's a, okay. <laughs> if there is a Z, you know there's not that many Zs around. Okay, fine, like Zechariah or Zephaniah or something. Right, right. It it was embarrassing. <laughs> Well, again, there's mistakes are the best teachers. And so I have a, I have a feeling anytime you put up something on an outdoor wall, you will always be sure that the adhesive is going to work. That's right. And you I don't agree. get to know that unless you make the mistake. That's right. And then other schools were like, we heard about this great project. How did you do it? I'm like, well, let me tell you how not to do it. I, don't, I, I probably would have told them that after the fact. But like, hey, did you learn the same thing I did? That's right. That's well, good. Amanda, it has been a lot of fun having you on. So thank you so much for sharing just some of what the Lord has asked you to do at Bishop Moore Catholic and being a part of that for several years was, was one of the most wonderful times in my life. And it's so fun just to, to still see all the good things going on there and know there's great people working in this amazing Catholic high school right here in central Florida and that your, your objective, your focus, and you're really the fruit of your ministry is leading people to Jesus so that they fall in love with him. So thank you. Well, thank you for your book and for, I mean, I can't even, who knows, the Lord knows how many lives that's going to impact. So really grateful for the effort you and Justin have made. Justin, one of our alumni. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I don't want Bishop Moore to take all the credit, but I'm just saying <laughs> you guys are both connected. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No, had a, had a hand in it. Well, <laughs> thank you. It was, it was a lot of fun to write and we hope and pray that it just does as much good in the church as God wants it to. Absolutely. All righty. Well, God bless you, Amanda. Say hi to your awesome family for me, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.